Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. We have Beth Kennedy with us today. I met her uh, November, December time frame. She is a member of the Troubadour Theater Company in North Hollywood. I did the show with her. I'm sure you saw plenty of pictures online. <laughs> um, a Year Without a Santana Claus with Santana Music. She also won an ovation, which I also posted pictures about. She won the 2019 Ovation Award for Featured Actress in a Musical. That was last year's Troubadour Christmas show, How the Prince Stole Christmas, which was a bunch of Prince music. She is an actress, a comedian, a production manager for all kinds of things, and yeah, runs around with a million different hats on, like physically different hats on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Beth. Thank you. Thank you so much, twins. That's so funny. When you said hats, it reminded me, Gary Marshall, <laughs> who's a champion of mine and Troubadour Theater Companies. I met him because we performed at the Falcon, which is now the Gary Marshall Theater for years. But whenever something might not have been working or he wanted to try to amp the funny up, He'd be like, put a hat on her <laughs> or give her That's some perfect. glasses or a cane or I'm not doing a very good Gary Marshall impersonation, <laughs> but that reminded me of wearing a lot of hats. So I, I do think my characters sometimes wear hats, but if something's not working, boom, put a hat on. Or glasses. And then it's great. Cross your fingers and hope for the best. <laughs> So, hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, twins, in (laughs) Omaha and Long Beach right now. And I'm in the Marina Del Rey area, west side of Los Angeles. We're everywhere. Yeah. One time we had someone over in Germany. Cindy was in New York. I was in Long Beach. He was in Germany. Okay. They win the accumulated miles contest. Yeah. Scheduling that one was fun, trying to figure out what time zone we were in. Right. So they're eight. Eight hours ahead. Did it yeah, do it in your morning. Five hours from New York. Yeah. Oh, eight gosh, hours right. From, I forgot from New York California. Too. So, yeah, that, that took a while to schedule, but we got it and it was really, it turned out great. So, yeah. So well, you're, you're international. It's an international podcast. It is an international <laughs> podcast. Well, and Tim is Thank from Canada. You. So, we did do one where he was in Canada, but his time zone was like similar to New York. But right. Tim was in Canada when we did that one too. Oh, so. he was on the East Coast of Canada. Yes, he's Toronto, I think. Oh, Toronto-based. A lot of great theater happening over there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, lots of theater everywhere. Yay, theater. Oh, my gosh, we have to keep it alive. Oh, yeah, that's a never-ending battle. So how did you – you're an actress. Did you realize you wanted to be an actress at a young age, or how did you get into this whole acting theater business? Oh, gosh, great question. I have to think that far back. (laughs) <laughs> so I, and I tell people this and they kind of laugh at me, but I was so, 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 so shy growing up. And so I did not have any desire to be the center of attention or have the spotlight on me. I would rather just kind of hide out in a corner and just try to blend in. I'm from a large family. I'm the oldest of now there's nine with stepkids and half brothers and sisters, et cetera. 
But growing up, my mom had five kids by the time she was 27. And I'm the oh oldest of that first crew. Yeah. You need to believe it. When I was 27, <laughs> oh. I was nowhere near anything like that. Oh, my God. We're like 30-something. How old are we? 34. How old are we? 34. And I can't even imagine having are one 35? kid. Like, yeah. Like, I, wasn't even, I wasn't even married until I, I was children. 30. I know I didn't get married until my late thirties. So yeah, I went, I took a completely different path than my mother, but I don't know. Maybe just, there was a lot going on all the time, but I was shy and there are people who remember it. People seem to think if you're an actress, there's just no way that you were shy when you were younger Mm -hmm. or that, Oh, you probably started acting. And, but I was forced to play Mrs. Cratchit in, I think the seventh grade because it was a mandatory class in my middle school in in um, a Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. I played Mrs. Cratchit, and I had the most giant boobs. They just put these giant boobs on me. I remember they practically weighed me down, <laughs> and all my whole character was just trying to stay, stand up with these. <laughs> I, I, we needed a Haley or a Ashford or something to <laughs> figure out a lightweight work. boob breast situation. I mean, there were rocks in Yeah. Come on. Help. So I was not big on theater. It was, oh, so much anxiety. And I ended up, when I went to college, I didn't really know what I wanted to study. I went to Loyola Marymount as for my undergraduate. And I studied business mostly because I wasn't sure what to choose. So I just said, business should be fine. It's generic enough. It'll probably help me in life. You can make like a safe bet. Yeah, Yeah. do business. So I did business. I I do have my degree. My undergrad major is in business. And I was friends with who's my now husband. I met him at Loyola. He was in the theater school, and he wanted to do his thesis project as a director. And he wanted to work with non-actors, so people who are not in the theater school. Interesting. So we thought, hey, how about Beth, this person I know? And so he asked me in my first show, and it was a two-person play. We're on stage. It was a long, it was a one act, maybe an hour and 20 minutes, on stage the whole time. I'd done a couple of scenes. I did take in acting for non-major class because I could dance a little bit. So I was cast in cabaret. And I thought, oh, that'll be fun because I did always love to dance. I was casting cabaret as a Kit Kat girl. And maybe he saw me in that and thought, oh, she, she could probably, you know, she doesn't have any bad habits yet. Let me, uh, I'll work with her and I'll give her, give her some bad habits. <laughs> take with her in her life. Now, Eddie was one of my favorite directors and I do hope I get to work with him again as a director. So, yeah, he cast me in my first show. I did a, his thesis project at Loyola Marymount in the Little Theater. It was a play called Out of Gas on Lover's Leap. I did it with a good friend of mine named Darren, who is also still an actor to this day. So we thank Eddie for putting us on this path. Sometimes we thank him and sometimes we curse him, <laughs> curse him and say, what did you do? And so I was just about to graduate from college and all these corporations were coming in and interviewing people. And I rebelled and thought, no, I don't want to get a job in the business world and I'm not going to take any interviews. And so I started to research graduate schools because I really now wanted to learn about the craft of acting. 
And I applied to a few schools and I got into a school called Cal Arts, California Institute of the Arts, yep. which is um, up in the Valencia area, Valencia. maybe yeah, yeah. an hour and a half north of Los Angeles. And I went there and I got my master's degree. It was a three-year program. It was so much fun for me coming out of a business program, never really having done anything like that. Where basically all day you're dancing, you're doing Tai Chi, you're learning about acting, you're studying critical aspects of the theater, all sorts of stuff. And so I came out of there and then I was ready to, to play. And I, I thought, all right, I'm going to give it a, give it a shot. Why did your husband want to cast non-acting people in his thesis show to see if he could really like to challenge himself as a director? Yes. Or I actually think that he wanted because he would sometimes get frustrated with actors that had been acting for a while and had their bag of tricks and thought they knew everything. And I think for him, it was a challenge to work with someone who was super raw and didn't yeah. know anything because Eddie to this day really appreciates a performance that is authentic and genuine and real. So, you know, the best actors and it's what we as actors strive for, especially <laughs> I'm sorry, I laugh because in Troubadour, we're not really, I mean, it's so heightened. It's not very natural. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is, but what you, know, do you, mean? you, you try to get to the like, very miser, simple. Right? The what? The snow miser, definitely very Snow miser, <laughs> so natural. I mean, he's like someone you walk by at the bank yep, or at a grocery store. Just like a guy on the street, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> snow miser. Winter Warlock, yeah, with his voice. Uh, Winter Warlock Party too. Most so, people, anybody yeah, around he, here probably knows that voice. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, my husband knows that voice well. But he, yeah, I think he was. The challenge for him was to see: can I work with someone who's not an actor and see if I can keep that real quality? But also, I mean, I think it is hard to work with someone that doesn't have any ambition to be an actor or desire because it is you have to heighten the reality a little bit especially in the theater yeah space because you need to reach the back row etc but it's that balance I think between real and the actor he just he he wasn't a big fan of all you know real actory type actors not that the people that he was in school with were that um maybe some were but I'm sure there were people he could have used but I think he really wanted to work with someone who was completely raw, new to the business, and just see what he could do. And it was more about his directing skills. Yeah. Well, I was also so. thinking just vocabulary in itself. You know, I work in the opera world, and just the vocabulary difference between straight shows, musicals, and opera is so big sometimes that I worked with a director who was a straight show director and had never worked in the opera world. And just that vocabulary challenge between those two fields and you're like oh a director is a director you know but mm. there's just like all these terms that we use in opera that are not used in other things so that's what I was wondering you know him trying to tell you to do something directorially might be a challenge if that's not a phrase that you had heard before or something you're familiar with right so yeah I had to like you said speak to the back row like that, like what is to, that? Yeah, yeah what that does that makes mean? Sense to us, vocal to... training and yeah, yeah. Uh, so a lot of that was super raw. I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have any vocal training or stuff like that until I got to Cal Arts. So I was just counting on. The good thing was that show that he cast me in was in a very tiny black box. 
<laughs> so it wasn't like the El Portal with 300 seats. And I was really trying to hit the back row without a microphone. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a super small space. So it was a great training ground. But still, you, you had to be heard. You had to enunciate, keep it natural. But at the same time, make sure you're not rushing. Just so many things. I, I think for me, it was an acting class and a performance class all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But he has a he has a great sensibility with actors, and he's able to communicate really well. And yeah, I mean, I think he had a lot to worked. do with me going in this direction. He didn't scare me away from it. He got really interested so much mm-hmm. that I wanted to go to grad school and get a big loan that I'd have to pay off for years. <laughs> Cindy did that. Um, True. <laughs> So when we're eventually, of love. eventually when we're married, I was like, this loan we're paying off thanks to you. <laughs> but this is half your responsibility this now. Is half of yours. Thanks. This is all okay. your responsibility. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't as much as kids are paying nowadays, thank, thank goodness. But still, it's still, it was, still it was a chunk. And when I finally paid it off, I was so excited. That was a big yeah. day for me. Yeah, Yay, Cindy, have you paid off loan. all of yours? What was I that? paid off all of mine, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's take a, a poll. Who's paid off their student loans? Yay or nay? It took me oh. nine and a half years to pay off my undergrad. Oh, gosh. Uh, my parents were very nice, and they paid for my undergrad. So They paid for I'm a lot of ours, grateful. but Sydney and I went to private school, so there was still a chunk to pay. Yeah. Uh, you know, theater jobs aren't exactly high-paying jobs to pay off loans. <laughs> <laughs> right. Four-figure jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Four-figure. I like oh that, God. yeah. And then Cindy went to grad school and she, I think she covered grad school all all on her own. Yeah. I, I paid for it all myself. Correct. Yeah. That's good. I I did that too. I felt like they'd already come out of pocket and you know how many kids that were behind me, like I mentioned, everybody went to college. So they had a lot of work to do. Yeah. My mom is, is an actress too, actually. She currently is in Columbia working on a, a, a movie. So this whole week, any, yeah. Did any other siblings go into acting? You know, all the women in the family are super creative. I think my brothers are too, though. They did not go down that the acting route. One of my brothers is an amazing dancer. I think they all have writing abilities. My brother Joe is so funny. My brother Bob is hilarious. But my sister Mary is a fantastic dancer, and she teaches dance in New York. Cindy to um, with the National Dance Institute. It's called NDI Jacques Dembois, who was a famous ballet dancer. And he's, I think in his eighties now started this found it's a nonprofit and it brings dance into the public schools for free. And I think it's like fourth grade and older. And Mary has been with them for at least 10 years, maybe even closer to 15 and she goes into all different schools and then teaches dance. And she has gone on trips internationally over the years with Jacques and learned dance from different areas of the world and brought that back and done a dance exchange. Some people from the U.S. would go to Bali or whatever country they were coming, yeah, uh, learning the dance from. And then vice versa, the people from Bali would come to the U.S. And I think that maybe in China also. But yeah, so she is a fantastic dancer and great teacher. She's doing that. that my sister Kathleen cool. is a very good actress as well. 
and a great writer. She is not doing either of those things professionally right now. She is working on getting her degree. And but I have a feeling she will stay in the art world. So was it not weird to your mom when you were like, I'm going to go to grad school for a theater degree? Well, she did not start acting professionally until I'd already been an actress for oh. at least a decade or more. My mom had me when she was 19. She dropped out of college to have me. She was in Iowa getting a speech and drama major. And I think maybe she was a sophomore when she got pregnant with me. So she left school and then went and moved wherever my dad was. My dad was college in Minnesota and then basically put her education on hold for a long time. But she has pictures of uh, the King and I or the Emperor's New Clothes some plays that she did in college. So cute. So she and knew she wanted to do theater. She just she took a, a, a natural hand. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> natural hand. She was a public speaker for years. She wrote books. She got into real, she was in real estate. She basically did what she had to do to put food in, in the mouths of yeah. six children. She ended up having six of her own. And then once all the kids were grown, gosh, it must've been maybe like 15 years by now. And I've been acting probably closer to 25. So she, uh, yeah, I hooked her up with my agent and my manager and she started booking stuff and she's done some TV and film and lots of theater. She's a theater junkie like I am and commercials and, you know, she's like me. We're just middle-class actor trying to make it, trying to make it in Los Angeles. So but she she's in Bogota. Here. She, she had a part in Narcos, you know, the Netflix series Narcos. Yeah. She played the U.S. ambassador in the first season. I think she was in 10 episodes. So she went to Bogota for that on a couple of different trips, maybe for like a month total. And then I think she met someone through those people. And now she's back in Bogota doing a, a movie that has nothing to do with Narcos, but from people that she met through that show. That's so, she, so awesome. Yeah, it's really great. And she keeps WhatsApping me and it sounds like she's having a great time. She's like, I don't understand what anybody's saying, but <laughs> like, having a great time. <laughs> that's awesome that she was able to like raise a family and then decide this is what I've wanted to do my whole life. This is what I'm going to go back and do. Yeah. You could do a whole po- podcast on my mom. She's we should. Amazing. We're going to add yeah, her yeah. to the list. Add her to the list. Danielle <laughs> Kennedy. Yeah. Cause I, my, our mom would not do anything like that ever. First of all, she she's not acting. Like she wouldn't like be that. on a podcast, or she wouldn't. Have you had your uh, mom on your podcast? She doesn't even listen to our podcast. She's never listened to our podcast. She claims she doesn't want to listen to it without dad, but she couldn't listen to it with dad because dad's car radio wasn't working. He just got a new car after twenty nine years, so maybe there's no excuse. But yeah, they listened oh, to like part of the that, first yeah. one. And that's that's it. We're on episode seventy one or seventy two. <laughs> they Are they in the, the art one. or stage manager world, no. theater world at all? No. Nope. Where do they live? They live in Redlands, California, which is about okay. seventy miles uh, in San Bernardino County. Yes, I know. I'm actually going to Redlands on Friday. I want um I know one of the acting teachers there, and I'm doing. A, oh, who do you know? Chris Chris Beach. Oh yeah, he was Chris uh, Beach. I went, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and Redlands. teach 
just be like a guest artist for his class this Friday. That's excellent. Mock auditions um, with his students and stuff like that. Yeah, I worked with Chris Beach. So you guys know Chris? Yeah, I went to the University of Redlands and my pa- our parents met at the University of Redlands and I got my degree there and he was the, um, the, what is it called? He was the main person at the theater department. I think he was the dean like of the theater school. Or so. I, I mean, sorry, it's Chris, if you're listening, but I don't know your title. Yeah. <laughs> He's been there for a long time. He's a great guy. I worked with Chris. It was in the 90s, I think before he had the job at Redlands when he was in Los Angeles and a great theater innovator and divisor. And he and another friend of mine, Eric, worked on an original project that he came up with and just had a great time working with him. And I'm sure he's he's definitely inspiring a lot of up-and-coming theater theater junkies out there. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've known Chris for upward of 20 years. Long time. Nice. Good, good guy. Yeah, I know they Yes, I'm going to see him on Friday, and then I'm going to have dinner with he and his wife after, Great. I think. Tell him. I'll tell him hi. you said hi. Did Cindy, <laughs> did you go there too, Cindy? No, I went to the University of the Pacific up north in UOP. Northern California. Yeah. But we, yeah, UOP, but we both grew up in Redlands. And so every time I was home, like, I know, I don't know if I ever met Chris, but I know a lot of guys, like the people at the theater. I don't think I ever met Chris, actually. No, because um, you were mostly there just when we were doing text. You knew. Yeah. I mean, I know the name, obviously, because Stacey talked about him for four years. Yeah. But... Yeah. But he knows you as Stacey Hennon. Yep. Right? Sh- yeah. Okay. Interesting. Such a small world. That's so awesome. Super small world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but anyways, back to the original. Um, Our dad's a scientist, an earth scientist. And our mom was a linguist in school and got married right out of college when she met dad and uh, raised a family. And now they have their own company, but it's still earth science. And so we don't have any other... I mean, our great-grandfather was an artist, like an architect and a painter... But we don't mm-hmm. have anyone in the family who has been in the performing arts. No, it's just a whole bunch of, of scientists. Yeah. Interesting. And then you both who did who got into it first of you two? I'm not the interviewer, and this is a podcast about you guys. <laughs> Excellent. No, Great. um, who? So we, I went to college originally. No, but so we started dad, because of yeah. a friend in high school got cast in a show, and we were in choir from junior high and high school and a friend got cast in anything goes and said hey you should be props it's easy so we joined props <laughs> easy. Uh, Tell that. it was Huge not lie. easy complete lie uh and so we both started in high school at the same time and we did it through high school and then our parents said we couldn't do it in college because there's no money in it so we both had i was a business major and cindy i think started in math math yeah and eventually oh, they gave up because we kept doing theater classes and theater work study and stuff like that, that they said we could double major. So we both took a double major in theater and then they agreed we could study abroad, but we dropped our non-theater major to a minor because we couldn't, it would take an extra semester to get all the classes because we studied abroad for a semester. They, we eventually warmed down, but no, yeah, we, we started like at the it. same time. And two against, well, two against two, but... Right. Yeah. And we're both, tried, I mean, but... we're both making a living doing theater. So, and that was kind of like the point of this podcast is to like let other people know that you can make a living doing this and that there's right. all these other options out there, you know, like you don't have, I mean, not that we're wealthy, but you don't have to be a starving artist in order to work in theater. Right. So, 
Yeah. I mean, sometimes I starve, but for the most part, I'm pretty good. <laughs> so that's just because you're on a diet. Or the starving right, diet. Exactly. <laughs> but that's because it's, just it's intermittent week. fasting. Like it's, it's tech it's week. There's no time right to eat in tech week. There's just coffee. <laughs> right. Oh my, the coffee yeah, no. diet. That was totally last week for me. One of the crew guys was like, have you eaten anything? And I was like, yeah, there's a meal replacement in this thing. And he was like, I don't think that's healthy for you. And I was like, be quiet or go buy me dinner. One or the other. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you don't have a solution, don't ask the question. <laughs> oh, meal replacement's yeah. better than nothing. <laughs> Remembering right? to eat when you're busy and when the clock is ticking. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's always, yeah, you need to set reminders or I don't know, have someone remind you something. Bring in food. Yes, we just got to bring in food. That's true. So Beth, you act, but for the Troubadours, I mean, I saw you act, but for the first like month of me working with the Troubadours, you were like, I don't know if your title was actually production manager, director of production, but you sent the emails and set the schedules and ran the production meetings and all of that. So how did you get into our side, the non-acting side of theater? Well, I guess it's that business major that I finally am falling back on. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I've always been good at that facilitating organizing coordinating maybe it's because i'm from a large family and i'm the oldest and or gotta keep you track of so much yeah. juggling going on and watching you know I, i'm sort of like the truby mama i guess i'm falling into <laughs> people sometimes That's they don't really call me that but they sort of think oh be kale you know she'll figure it out she'll take it care um, of it yeah but it's just it's what i do you know and i'm an aries oldest child so all those things mixed together I, I just, I have a knack for getting things done. I love a checklist. I love crossing things off of it. Yes. Oh, that is fine. Yeah. So, you know, those are some of the things that you should be good at if you want to be a producer or production manager, stage manager, all those kind of things. And I'm good at multitasking, but I saw, I guess, I don't know how many years ago now, it was maybe, feels like like 15 years or so. It was during Fleetwood Macbeth where I think I I stepped up from an actor to also helping out more on the production side of things. I, I think I noticed a gap in the marketing and thought, hey, maybe we could use a website or let's try to get a donor program together and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So I talked with Matt and Mike and Timmy Groff, who were the original three producers. And I said, hey, guys, I'd love to help you out. I see there's a gap here. And let me, you know, let's see what I could do. So that's what I first started doing was more on the marketing side of things. And it did that for a long time. Like I said, really got our donor program in place and worked hard to gather and nurture our database and make sure that it was, it was organized and that we stayed in good communication with our contact list and, and helped grow that over the years. And then when we're at the certain venues, when we're at certain venues, I wear more hats than others. For example, when we're at the Falcon Theater, which is now the Gary Marshall, they had a full production team. So I could do more dealing with our fan base and marketing and more uh, kind of managing our end of things. At the El Portal, which is now, that was our second show there. I had to wear a lot more hats because, you know, we didn't have the box office, the marketing, the financial side, 
all the the production manager side. So Mike and I, Mike's, uh, you you know Mike Stacy. So he and I, I, I definitely I think had I met a step him up. Once. I met oh, okay. him once, and then a lot of emails, text messages, and phone calls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Mikey and I and Matt, the three of us, we just added a lot more responsibility to our plate going into the El Portal, which is basically a rental and not a co-production. And so, yeah, you just you just step up and there's a lot of stuff I'd never done before, even putting the program together, handling, you know, all the getting all the artwork made and the promotional materials, et cetera, casting, you know, dealing with the actors uh, budgets, et cetera, et cetera, that you just step up. If you don't know how to do it, you ask somebody for help. And then the second year was easier than the first year. The first year when we did French over there was definitely more of a, a challenge of like, Oh gosh, what are we missing? I keep asking Jay and Peggy over there at the El Portal who are great. You guys, please watch my back, all of our back. And let us know what we're, what are we forgetting? I would ask that question a lot. That's what, what I am I forgetting? That's what makes me the most nervous. Like I'm currently working with two companies that are kind of newer companies and we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that makes me the most nervous because I'm like, I know what to do as a stage manager because I was trained as a stage manager and I've spent 12 plus years like professionally stage managing. But mm-hmm. to move in a production manager position, I'm like, I don't know the things I don't know. Yeah. And that's what makes me nervous because what is it that I'm missing that all of a sudden you're going to get to tech and everyone looks at you and you're like, oh. I was supposed to do that, you know, and you're just like, what are those things? And so the first, especially right. the first year, so stressful. Yeah. And you saw how we did it, Stacy, where on our production calls, many times we would just ask for the, the group, the hive mentality of everybody, please let's, because we definitely made a big mistake in tech in Princh. Um, Christopher will remember and everybody where we just had a sequence problem with the lighting coming in versus the set and oh, it, it got yeah. all out of whack. So we were mm-hmm. bound and determined not to do that again. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember what was our big mistake this year. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think mistake. we had a huge one. My no. biggest kind of screw up and it wasn't even a screw up, but probably the hardest moment when you were with me, Stacey, was that U-Haul or yeah, public storage. Say, and that wasn't your I was like, mistake. everything is working perfectly. We've timed this out. So right, we practically have a bow tied around the show and ready to put it away. We get to storage. I'm putting in the combo. and Public storage doesn't open. And they will and not it was come. Like, it was and like help a- me. And, oh, it was just a mess. We, it was going to close at 11 o'clock. We knew it was closing at 11 yeah. o'clock. We were Beth there, was there hours early. Beth was there earlier that day confirming it would be closed at 11 o'clock. We were there early because I was like, we got to get everything done and into the trucks. So we can be there before 11 o'clock. Nope. We were there like at 10. Doesn't open. Yeah. I'm sitting in a truck with two guys. Yeah, a truck waiting. full of a massive set. <laughs> Beth's yeah. on the phone screaming at people and I'm like oh, I'm calling thank God that's storage, Beth and not corporate. me nobody was helping me and finally we just see two a random family stuck inside the public storage because uh-huh. somehow their like their technology their electronics their their key gate remote something had failed and people got stuck in public storage a whole yeah, family no, got stuck in the elevator yeah, for and I don't know how they got out, but we saw them walking toward us. We were just about to call it quits. 
And I said, Stacy, you guys, I hear voices inside the gate, <laughs> which is where we need to go. So as Stacy knows, like, I was not going to take no for an answer. I was like, oh, I'm not leaving public storage until this truck is unloaded. And so uh-huh. there's people coming at me and they were totally spooked because they'd been stuck in an elevator. They did not know who this crazy woman, me, was <laughs> begging them to let me in with a truck. I was like, please let us in. We're stuck. And then they, they were stuck in an elevator. It was a whole thing. We finally calmed them down and let them know that we were not trying to steal anything from public storage. It's a long story, as Stacey knows, but we, we got in. But that we got in, was, we got the truck that was the diciest part of the whole thing. Yeah, and that was strike. <laughs> that was strike. Yeah, that's that pretty was good. At the end, like everyone had pretty much gone home. It was just Stacy, myself, and two guys that we'd never met that yeah. turned out to be, you know, super helpful, and we did it. Yep. Yeah, you just you just find a way. So yeah, yeah I mean, to that end, you basically just have to communicate a lot, lean on the people who have done it, and say just keep asking or confirmation that do we seem like everything's on track? Is there anything we're missing? I, I would ask and over ask that yeah. question. Yeah, all the time. Like you said, I was constantly calling up, especially last year, the first time at this venue I was calling up and like everybody that I knew who had been in this position and be like, is, am I doing this right? Is this the right questions to ask? Am I wording this correctly? Like, I just want to make sure that I'm on top of it. But we experienced a similar thing where we went from a venue that we had co-produced at for 20 years to a venue that we are renting and so just the difference between those two venues you know like the fact that there wasn't a production manager there or a td or a lighting designer built into the package you know because yeah in a rental you just got to bring that all in yourself so oh yeah it's a lot harder it's a lot lot, lot harder yeah yeah because we always that's why it was so great to have you stacy and i'm glad you're going to do our next show as well but you know you and i and the team we all we had to figure out how we how work with each other and yeah. you know you were constantly like should I be asking for this now or I would say yes please take the lead or wait hold off we don't need to do that so it's just it's about the first time you work together you know you it's about learning how the other works and finding your rhythm finding your groove and then so you're already that much further ahead for the next show yeah it'll be great and you guys have quite a few at the Troubadours have quite a few repeat people. I know uh, Haley Parker, who we interviewed a while ago, she's been with you guys for almost a year now, right? Yeah, maybe even longer. I feel like, uh, so she did Prince. She did Santana. She uh, was at the Getty show. Villa for a while. Because when she we was, talked to her, when I remember when yeah, we she were did doing... something with us at the Getty when we were doing Allegiance uh, with East Coast Oh, yeah, she did the Odyssey. Um, yeah, she did Odyssey. Our Odyssey show there. And, yeah, she's yeah, been with you guys Maybe for it's a, a year, years. or I can't remember if Prince was her first show or not. It all blends. But, yeah, we had a, uh, a great, great designer who was part of our original team for years and years named Sharon McGonigal. And she went on. She's now doing a TV show, and she – coincidentally is working with my best friend this is <laughs> like completely different worlds coming together my best friend is a costume supervisor for tv and film and she lives in providence rhode island and there's a ton of work out there right now in the boston area and new york and providence and so they bring they've brought in some people from la and sharon got a job 
on the TV show that my friend is supervising. So Sharon made the transition into TV and film. She'd done theater for years and TV and film was a lot of work, but you're definitely being compensated a lot more. (laughs) And I think she was ready for that. So we just thought we're not going to be able to fill those shoes. Sharon is just almighty. And, And Haley is also so, so fantastic. And she stepped right into some really big shoes. And yeah, we're lucky to have her. I feel like she and Sharon are cut from the same cloth, no pun intended. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if they know each other, but man, it's almost like they they were trained by the same person or something because they're very similar. They have they're very creative and, and super positive and we throw a lot at our designers, especially our costume designers. Yeah. The script is changing a lot. All of a sudden there's an entire smorgasbord of new characters that were not in the original script that we might lay on you and Sharon and Haley both have always stepped up and been open for that I know it was a big discussion uh Haley was telling me when we were downstairs uh for the tech of this show um she was building things and she's like okay the big thing you have to know is Rick's gonna split his pants open so we have to tear (laughs) open all of the pants and sew in elastic so that he doesn't split his pants open (laughs) She actually said to just rip, just preemptively. Yep. She preemptively rip did all that. All Rick's pants. Yep. So they all have elastic in them because apparently that was an issue during Prince, uh, Prince, uh, with his pants splitting open. So she preemptively did yeah, that that's with all of his outfits. <laughs> Rick is real. He's a full body actor. And yep. <laughs> you have to. It, yeah, you have I need to. More people he doesn't like wear costumes. He needs to wear gear. Gear. <laughs> it's like Rick gear. Yeah, so no, but it's so awesome. Great. Like that's the best kind of technicians and designers to work with because then you're not running into those problems during tech. You're like, I know this is going to be an issue. I'm just going to take care of it now. That yeah, is so awesome. Anticipating and yeah, so yeah. she she learned from Haley and then probably Ashford was ready to go and yeah, yeah. I mean, the running joke is the clothes, clothes, the set, everything has to be. True be proof. Yep. That's a, a phrase. Yep. That's that what we I was use told. a lot because we are hard on everything. Yeah. More because than sometimes funny is aggressive and hostile. <laughs> to get, I can see that for a joke to land, you might have to, I don't know, you, you might have to split pants or knock down a set, like whatever it takes to get the laugh. Well, there's, <laughs> there was a lot of, uh, rolling on tables and the sides of the tables were rough and I'm like they're metal I can't do much oh, so you're like uh, you know bring that up. Yeah. gluing fo- gluing like felt on the side of tables so that actors weren't ripping costumes while jumping on tables and I was like when did you start jumping on tables with wheels yeah it, it's very physical yeah super physical and we, we've slowed down a little just as we get older we used to be jumping on trampolines and <laughs> grass pads and you know but now, Stacey, you know all, and that. all that. Stuff. So yeah. now the next set that you build, you know to, to proof it. Yeah, right. you don't have to and build it. This next set will just be, will be easy, right, Stacey? We'll yeah, just the next go to set public storage. The last set. We already have it ready. <laughs> it's just going to be reconfigured somehow. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure sure that out. Hi, Chris. Chris, if you're listening, Chris will come up with something. Really yeah, nice. we had Chris. I mean, it's basically going to be the same thing with different set dressing, I'm sure. 
Yeah, there's a ton of set. We had uh, Chris on the podcast uh, not too long ago. And uh, yeah, the set dressing on that show was 90% of the set. The set itself was yeah. like platforms and walls and a staircase. And then it was like four days of set dressing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we can use this set for every show till the end of time. Like, I don't Basically. think we need to make a new set ever. Nice. That's easy. It'll be like we had these Truby curtains. It was before your time, but they were our staple curtain. Every show we did always had these curtains and they started to get real raggedy and we still had them and people loved them. <laughs> and sometimes people ask for them, but we could have the Truby set could have that same kind of feel where people just expect yeah. that set every time. Just Why like not? feel comfortable with it. Yeah. 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 See what they're going to do this time because the the current show you guys announced at the end of um santana claus was uh, oh i forget it julius weezer Weezer. yeah so julius caesar mm-hmm. the shakespeare show with weezer music and i know you guys have right. done this show before so no 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 oh i thought it was Isn't a remount what? yeah no this is the first this will be the first rendition of of that particular pairing so how did the Trubies come up with these mashups Pairings? of, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it was excellent having Santana music with Christmas. So yeah, that one really worked well. That was such a great combination. So how, how do you guys come up with that and create an entirely new show? Because like, it's changing all the way through Tech Week. Like new scenes ah. are added and costumes are changed and lines are added here and there. Like how, how is that creative process work well we basically we latched on to this marriage of iconic story or film with modern music that combination i think it was my it was my first show but the trubies had started in 95 they did a few shows where they would just incorporate music but not necessarily have one musical artist run through the entire show They'd maybe have three or four songs by different artists just pop up in the middle of the show. And then in 1998, I think that was the first year that I was a Truby, they did 12th Dog Night, which was the first time they did this clever title. And that was 12th Night to the Music of Three Dog Night. And ever since then, it's been the clever title. And once they landed on 12th Dog Night, then of course... It, it just gets your brain going and so many people have ideas. We even have fans emailing us lists and lists of great ideas. We have shows that we could do for five different lifetimes. There's so many, so many shows that we've come up with just riffing. And so Matt is very good at coming up with them and basically looking at all the ideas and figuring out which is the right show to do it at the right time. And he, you know, Weezer, I'm sure, I don't know who thought of that one. I, I hadn't heard of it before. It was probably Matt that came up with it. But, and it's so funny too, every time we come up with a show, then you'll hear that, so Weezer is coming out with a new album, I think March 1st. Oh, and you guys are like tour right now. Like, like when we did Fleetwood Mac or Hall and Oates, they'd always be on tour. It's so interesting how they show up whenever we're doing their show. I don't know if they're just always touring and, or if it's really a coincidence. You just <laughs> noticed it because you're so focused on it now? Yeah, so Weezer's dropping an album March 1st and 
that's when our tickets go on sale for the May run. And so, yeah, it, Matt basically decides on the show that we're going to do after looking at all the different ideas that are out there. And then he takes the script and takes it down to its foundation of the most important plot points and the skeleton of it, puts it together in a script, figures out where the songs go and we'll take a pass at it and add a whole bunch of funny to it. And then he'll bring it into rehearsal and then we all riff and play and go away and come up with funny stuff and bring it in the next day and try it out and see how it does in rehearsal. And as you know, Stacey, we do that through the entire rehearsal process mm-hmm. into tech and all the way through performance. If, if you get into the previews and some jokes are not landing, then it's up to you or Matt to have some new ideas for the next show. Because if a joke's not landing, it that just means it needs to be rewritten. Yeah. Yeah. The very first script I read, like a month or two before we got into performances, was so different from what I actually saw in performances. Like, <laughs> the yep. basic idea was there, but that was about it. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty much what happens. It it transforms. It's a metamorphosis from the beginning to the end. If, if you compare those two scripts, yeah, they would be very different. And Matt is constantly doing rewrites and taking notes during rehearsal and having people send whatever they wrote to him. And the play is, is alive and evolving the whole time. There's always rewrites. And hopefully we get the final into an actual word doc. I think he tries to, but my husband, Eddie records everything. So we at least have it in video. If we ever want to go back and transcribe it. So do you guys all actually sing the songs in there or is it like a recording of the songs or do you like learn all the Weezer songs? Um, so if we sing the songs live with a live band and we change the lyrics to the oh, Weezer songs, but they okay. are the Weezer songs. Okay. And Matt and Eric, our musical director, will figure out where those songs might fit in the show mm-hmm. based on what's happening in the show and where the song could really add some emphasis or dramatic value. And then the lyrics will be rewritten to help tell the story, push the story forward. And then everyone, we cast great singers. We have an amazing band and everyone learns the songs, learns the new lyrics. It's so funny. Now I will hear songs from years of shows that we've done and I don't even remember the original lyrics. I only know the <laughs> trivia lyrics. Well that's so, what I was just singing. Like, singing along to a song and someone next to me like an elevator or something. What song are you singing? <laughs> it reminds me of Weird Al Yankovic because it's we exactly listening to him and then there'll be songs that come on the radio and I just automatically start singing his words because that's what yeah. I listened to for so long. I'd be like, oh right, right, wrong, wrong version. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of like Weird Al Yankovic. Exactly. Awesome. This is With an awesome combination. I really like it. <laughs> you haven't probably seen a show, right? Cindy? No, I haven't. I haven't been yeah. out for any of them, but I'll have to try to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, Santana was actually the first show that I saw. I'd heard about you guys for a while. Uh, Jackie Pombo is a good friend of mine. She talked about oh, you guys Oh, I love while. Jackie. Yeah, she Michael was like, Prezio oh my God. knows her really well, too. She worked with us a couple of times. She yeah, she loved you guys. So when I was like, hey, they offered me a job, she's like, do it. You love the show. Oh, movies. thank you, Jackie. Jackie, and- we tried to get her, but I mean, not for this. I mean, years ago, she worked with us, and then we tried to get her 
again years ago, but she'd gone on to something else. Yeah. Where, she is she at, still stage managing? She kind of is stage managing. Kind she of? She is married. Actually, I'm going up to visit this weekend. I leave uh, Friday, the day the podcast comes out. She is married and has a kid who oh, is wow. not quite a year old, and she's working at... She lives in Modesto and she's working at the junior college up there at the theater department and she teaches a stage management class, but so far she hasn't been a stage manager for their shows. No, she's managing a child's life right now. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. No, but that's good read that she's teaching and she's, she's really good. I love her, her attitude. Yeah. She's smile on her face all the time. Super resourceful gal. Liked her a lot. Yeah, so she she recommended you guys, and we talked to Haley because I met Haley doing Allegiance, and she was, I think, interviewing with you guys at the time or just started a show with you guys or something, and she kept talking about you guys. So when um, when Skyler and Kyle said, hey, they need a stage man, uh, they need a technical director, I was like, well, I keep hearing about them. I might as well join the Trubies, jump on the bandwagon. Good. I'm glad people are talking positively about us because, you know, it's all <laughs> it's a small world. Yeah, it's a, little, it it's a small network, so it helps. Stacey, yeah. I love that Freudian slip where you almost called yourself a stage manager. <laughs> I did. I almost did. Uh, I was jumping into your brain for a little bit. Sorry, I'm going to try to put up the border boundaries. <laughs> Cindy's the stage manager and you're the technical director, right? Exactly. And now the production manager, apparently. We both do production management work at different points. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I kind of split myself now actually like half and half production management and stage management, um, which is kind of exciting. And it's kind of nice to jump back and forth, but. Do you uh, work, cause you said you're in Nebraska right now. I am. Cindy, do you mostly do East coast or do you go all over the country? I go all over the country. I just do almost all opera. So I'm oh. very much in the opera okay. world. Cause once huh. you're kind of in the opera world, everybody in opera knows each other and communicates with each other. And it wasn't where I intended to land. It just happened that way. And now I'm like nine years down the road and I'm like, Oh, this is apparently my career now. But <laughs> I do go all over the United States. It's just in all different opera companies. Wow. So the Trubies worked on an opera. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. For, Which uh, one? a few of us worked on Gary Marshall directed an opera at the LA opera uh-huh. and it was called the grand duchess. And it was so funny. We were not allowed to sing a note. Right. Oh no, you are not opera trained. We were hired as clowns <laughs> and um, it was Matt and myself and then a guy named Guilford Adams and Lauren Shapiro, the four of us. It was so fun. I had a, I had such a good time, but you know Frederica von Stada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was just at uh, Opera Philadelphia. She did a world premiere. Yeah, so it was me we worked season. with, we worked with her, and oh my gosh, that I heard she was amazing to work gift. with. Yeah, such a sweet lady. Yeah, yeah, that's what everybody said. Yeah, the opera world is so much fun, and it, you know, everybody thinks of it kind of as like um pearls and fur and you know upper class but when you're actually working in it it's just it's so much fun and I just love being around music and that's really where my passion is and so a lot of music there yeah tons of music you know we we had a sits our sits the other night which is the first time singers work with an orchestra and I'm sitting in the audience and I was like I'm getting paid right now to listen to these people (laughs) sing and play music this is pretty awesome you know it's yeah it's a pretty great career it is an awesome career there's a lot worse things you could be doing. 
right? That's exactly. <clears throat> so true. I mean, even if it is negative twenty degrees in Omaha right now. Uh, nope. <sighs> I had to turn on the heater today, twin. I was cold. I put yeah, two layers you? of pants on 50? to go to work. Yeah, it was fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I only put one pair of pants on today. For the past three weeks, I've been wearing two pairs of pants. Oh, my God. It's so cold at East-West Players. I ordered a space heater yesterday after wearing two layers of clothes because the, the, the heater is controlled on our floor, the second floor, but it controls all three floors. So the fourth floor where all the offices are, they're like, we're hot. And I'm on the second floor being like, I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're out there complaining because, you know. Or excited because it's finally cold, not cold enough that it actually snows. Yeah, it got up to, I think it got up to 28 degrees today, and we were all so excited about it. Yeah, 28. I don't know. I don't think I can handle it. Nope. Uh, It was a bit rough. It was a bit rough. But, you know, but I get to listen to music for a living, and I have a really great team, and, you know, this is my living. Good life. It's a good life. Yeah, it is a really good life. But I feel like I would love the Trubies because I love music and I love musical theater. And if you guys ever do a mashup with stick songs, Stacey and I have been talking about that for like 20 years. So I would totally fly out there to do that show because it would be so awesome. Yeah, we should do sticks. They're popular. We did something about, I don't remember if it was just a reference to the River Sticks at at the Getty Villa Mm -hmm. in, I don't remember which show, but something about the River Sticks. And we, yeah, isn't sticks S T Y X? Is that yeah the spelling yeah. for the Greek word? The, yeah, the I Greek mean, that, river. That's what it's based on, the Greek river, yeah. right? Yep. We had some reference there. I can't remember, but I'm sure we could do a whole show with it. We'd have to, we'd have to think about it, riff on it for five minutes. We'll probably come up with like ten different shows. <laughs> All of five exactly, minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> No, when Which you is, start when you put your brain on it, things start flowing. Yeah, good. And you guys Bad have a broomsticks. Boom. Nice. <laughs> a flying bed, some fish that see. Bed knobs and, and broomsticks. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, you guys. Some of the ones because uh, I was reading the webpage. I glanced at it when I joined, but now I'm reading the webpage. I'm interested in Fleetwood Macbeth because I hate Macbeth. And right. I've done the opera with Cindy. I've done the play. And every time it's just that that curse that follows it. How was Fleetwood Macbeth? Was there a curse oh. that followed that show or did it go fairly well? I was like, it was a, a, I mean, not a negative curse. If anything, we it was curse that we did it again. So if, if, if that's a... <laughs> Any indication, we did that show twice. It was a huge hit. I think it's one of our most clever titles. People, when when we give people uh, an example of what our mashups are like or what our clever clever titles are, we we definitely, that's one of the top three that we always say and people automatically start laughing. Because you really get it when you hear that. Oh, I see what you guys do. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. We had um, Morgan Rustler played the Macbeth character. Lisa Valenzuela was our Lady Macbeth. And we just brought so much fun into it. We would bring audience on stage for battle scenes, and they'd have giant Nerf swords. Yes. So we it was dramatic, but of course, we take you to the edge of drama and then throw in something really funny to... <laughs> 
take the air out of it and blood and guts and <laughs> beheaded Macbeth on a, I remember we made this table where he got inside. It was like a lazy Susan. Morgan is a carpenter. So he built some kind of a lazy Susan that he could get inside of. It was a giant box and he, he made it so he would do, his head would do a 360, his beheaded head laying on top of this table and it was supposed to be on a, a dinner table full of food. So his head was on a platter and then he made it. So he did a 360 because there was a lazy Susan in the box, but that was a, a very popular show. And yeah, so popular that we brought it back, but no, you need to see our version, Stacy. I think that's the problem. You just haven't seen it done. That, well. that <laughs> is the problem. And, and that isn't, I, I like Shakespeare and I feel like a lot of his stuff, um, people do the same things over and over. So one that I really want you to bring back is Hamlet, the artist formerly known as Prince of Denmark, because yes. I love Hamlet and I've never seen it live. And I feel like that show should be done more often because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I get it. Wait, it's isn't that horrible? How have we seen King Lear so many times and we hate King Lear so much, but we've never seen Hamlet and it's our favorite show. Right? And so... Hamlet yeah, I Prince hope we bring. Like I hope we bring that show back. The one thing is, we've already done Prince music twice. That's so then true. We would be doing it a third time because we did Prince to that, and then we did obviously the Prince stole or how the Prince stole Christmas. So we, there's probably other things we'll do, but you never know. You never know. That that was a favorite. That was a Truby favorite too. For for the, the tr- core Trubies, I could see. I know Matt loved doing that show and. We really got the Shakespeare. It was it was good. Some yeah. great actors speaking those words. In That's that just play. it. There's so many words in that play that when he's pretending to be crazy, that could just lend perfectly to just bouncing back and forth with you guys. Oh yeah, and words, the, words, the words. Prince, yeah, the Prince exactly. songs would come in just at the right time. It was it was a good show, really good. <laughs> You guys have quite a following. I know you've talked about um, everybody loves. Uh, oh, what was the character that you were the big white guy? Oh, the Winter Warlock. Yeah, the Winter Warlock. But not only that character, but you guys have a massive list of ovation nominees and winners for actors and actresses and best seasons and best musicals and and all that stuff. So. Quite a run. You guys are yeah. So well we've, known. we've been we've been really really lucky, and also you know people. It's fun. It's what's not to like, right? It's, yeah, it's a good yeah. time. There's a lot of laughter. There's good music. The actors that we bring together, we try to make really you know as high caliber as possible. They can they're triple threats as much mm-hmm. as we can, and actors in LA. A lot of people would love you know like to work with the Trubies. So we have that going for us as well. Sometimes there's so much kind of offbeat theater going on in LA and people can do theater and not fill the house and, you know, be have have more people on stage than in the audience. So yeah. mm-hmm. we have been lucky over the years to actually sell out our runs and bring shows consistently now for over 20 years so it's good because a lot of the the LA actors they they've seen our work and they want to work with us. So we're able to do really good shows, I think. And yeah, that that was an excellent show. 
what, and everybody how... was so friendly and nice backstage. Like, nobody was divas. Nobody was being like, oh, I can't do this. Like, everyone was like, oh, we're changing the entire blocking for this song and we open tomorrow. Great. Let's go. <laughs> everyone yeah. was just so accommodating. Yeah. We we try to have actors that are pretty malleable and that, that are not divas. Because it's, like Matt always says, we get the most excited when, if for let's say for an award where we're nominated for an ensemble. Yeah, because we, we truly one. feel like the show is, there's not just one person who's carrying the show. I mean, everybody is carrying the show. It truly is ensemble work. Mm-hmm. We're all called to rehearsal all the time. It takes a lot of people to make a joke work. There's, you know, somebody's doing something backstage and the timing is, is just really intricate. And it, everyone, you need everyone to make comedy work and, and the music as well and the dancing and the choreography. And so we, we had some great designers that we've worked with and choreographers, choreographers, excuse me, stuff like that. <laughs> so we we're just, yeah, we're, we're lucky. We, we don't have divas. And if we do, they're probably not going to work with us again. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to come back and we usually don't want to have them back. So <laughs> it, it works out. You know, if it's the right, the right fit. Yeah. How many shows do you guys do a season and how long is your run traditionally per show? Well, it's changed over the years. We used to do three. Th- I think two is on average. We'd usually do a summer show and a winter show. Mm-hmm. A holiday show has become a tradition over the last 15 or so years, probably, I don't, I don't even know which holiday show we're on. Maybe it's close to 18 years. And, and then a, a summer Shakespeare. We haven't done a summer Shakespeare in a couple of years, so it's good that we're bringing that back. So we'd normally do two shows a year. And depending on the space that we're in, pretty much dictates how long the show will run. We, right now we have a base of about 5,000 or so people that we feel comfortable that we can sell tickets to. Mm-hmm. So just, if you take 5,000 and divide it by the number of seats in the house, mm-hmm. you, you get the number of shows. So at the Gary Marshall at the Falcon theater, for example, we'd probably do between 40 and 45 shows per run. And now here at the El Portal, our first show Prince, we did 11 shows and this last show, we did 18 shows, which probably was a little too many. And I th- uh, we're going to do 13 shows, or no, 12 shows of Weezer. And then the next holiday show, uh, probably more like 14 or 15 shows. Mm-hmm. So we're hitting about 5,000, 4,500 to 5,000 people. And our aim now at this larger theater is to really try and grow our audience base. It was, we were having a hard time growing at the Falcon just because we capped out and you can only run a holiday show, for example, you know, for so long more. Yeah. We were going into third week of January. It was just like singing holiday Christmas songs. January. (laughs) 40 shows of that is uh, a lot of shows. Yeah. It was a lot of shows. So yeah, our hope is that we will continue to grow at the El Portal and, yep. you know, oh, go 5,000 to 7,000, 9,000, 11,000. It's endless. Go forever. Just go, go, go. 
<laughs> That's the plan. Plans are good. Excellent. So we got uh, my husband texted and said one hour, which is uh, mm -hmm. he's our timer. Uh, so there's the last question, which we always ask. Do you have any fun and exciting twin stories? Twin, 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 twin. Think who do I know that are twins? Um, I mean, I in the last show that I did that you worked on, Stacy, I was part of. I guess you could call us twins. Twin elves, uh -huh. <laughs> jingles, jingles and jangles. We were elves that worked in Santa's factory, and. The way myself and Isaac Robinson Smith played it is we tried to be very much in sync physically, vocally, sort of finish each other's sentences. And but mostly I love the physicality that we worked with. We try to walk the same and stand very close to each other, too, almost like we were Siamese twins, like connected at the hip. And I've I've not done a show where I was that close to an actor through the whole show so that in itself was a new element that I wasn't used to and I don't know if that's how you guys feel when you were little and we dressed alike yeah same outfits we had the same outfits and just in that show I Isaac and I bound oh sorry I think I'm getting hungry we bonded <laughs> in, I'm like use your words Beth we bonded in a way that we just didn't work that closely together in our first show but I feel like Isaac and I really bonded and I know it's because we played these two characters that were so intimate with each other and mm -hmm. I think that must be what it's like to be a twin with someone you have this it's not just like a brother and sister it's got to be a little bit different right yeah except we've done it since um conception or four or five days after conception <laughs> I, mean, I know you don't remember being in a womb together but you share that space and so close right are you we guys share... super huggy with each other when you see each other like do you like just sitting what? really close like what's it physically what's that like uh no, our no we're not super been really huggy. physical okay but, but we... that might partly be like i don't think anyone in our immediate family is really huggy. Like we just no. want a huggy kind of family. Yeah. So I feel like that has something to do with it. Yeah, of course it does. But like we, but I guess we, are we used to, uh, we had the same closet. We shared the same music. Did you have the same, did you share a bedroom? Growing we, up we, we did. In yeah. our second house, we, uh, our, the, our dad designed the house. And so it was kind of separate, kind of, together so we shared a closet and mm -hmm. like a little four foot walkway there the radio sat and we had our own room but it was connected without having to go into the rest of the house and we would finish each other's sentences and share pacifiers and apparently oh, had our own cute. language for a couple years before we decided to talk to the rest of the world oh my gosh did your parents dress you alike? oh yeah we had the same outfit in different oh. colors i think until junior high <laughs> It would be like different colors or slightly different. Like I remember dresses that we would wear at Christmas time were like 
it was the exact same dress, but one would have a scoop neck and one would have a V-neck or, you know, something yeah. slightly different like that. Or like one would be like short sleeves and one would be three quarter sleeves, you know, like mom would do stuff and it might just be so that they could figure out the difference between the two of us, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But- <laughs> are, you ident- are you identical? We yeah. are identical. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I looked at your picture. You guys look a lot alike. <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. alike. That happened. But and even now, said earlier, we'll, we'll, boys. we'll be together, like, when I'm out there doing shows in, in California, and, you know, we'll get dressed, like, I'll be a completely different part of town where they would house me, and then we would have dinner together, and we'd be wearing, like, the same outfit. I'd be like, oh, dude, seriously, yeah. I didn't even see you today. How did you put that outfit on? Right. Uh, but- That's the interesting part, where if, you, if you're doing things similarly when you're not together, and then yeah. you realize, you're like, whoa, we yeah. are twins. How did we just do that like across the country from each other. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right this, you're wearing about... blue pants and a yellow shirt today. So <laughs> there's a funny picture of Chris. No, a birthday a few years ago, like one of the big fa- last family pictures we have where we almost exactly the same. Like we both had on the same. It was like a similar, like purple pink, shirt and a scarf. And like our hair was the same. And we were like, God damn it. That's crazy. How did this yeah. happen? But it also doesn't help that when I am not stage managing, I work at Gap. And so 90% Ooh. of Stacey's clothes are Gap as well. So we just have, like, yeah. I, I just send Gap. her clothes. So we just have the same clothes because if I like it, I was like, oh, Stacey would like this and I'll buy it and send it to her. So we're oh, always wearing the nice same sister. things. Exactly. In fact, my still shirt, dress, you still want to dress alike. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier. I don't have to go shopping. They just get delivered to me once in a while. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need someone like that. Very I need a personal shopper. Right? I'm wearing a Gap shirt and Gap pants right now. Yep. Gap's yep. the greatest. I love Gap. Mine are definitely Gap. So, yeah, we do. It, it is funny that we'll be, you know, miles apart from each other and still dress the same or do something at the same time. Or She yeah. uses the you... brain power sometimes, and I need to call and be like, I need brain power. you got to stop thinking for a little bit. <laughs> you're, take, you're sucking all the brain power. <laughs> exactly. I don't know, one shared brain. Yep. <laughs> See? You understand. <laughs> how it works (laughs) i get it well girls this was pretty awesome yeah okay so we have to talk to your mom at some point got it uh that should be we just have to tire find her somewhere yeah down we love it and then matt would well most of the tribute i think matt would be great too yeah yeah matt is he'll knock this out of the park He's, yeah, we'll just be like, hi, Matt, an and then he can talk. <laughs> yeah, just let him talk for an hour. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So thank you, Beth. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, I look forward to the next show. I haven't gotten much information except for the poster, which I've definitely put on Facebook and Instagram and all. So I expect yeah, to see Yeah, you'll probably start there. seeing stuff uh, in March. Yeah. Actually, our brother is getting married on the Ides of March, which uh, my aunt... Yeah, and we're doing our little Weezer teaser that night. Exactly. So I'm like, great. Great job, Rusty. Way to plan on one of Shakespeare's worst days. But he's not a theater person, so he can't be held responsible. Yep. I totally forgot he was getting married on Ides of March. This could be fun. We could have fun with this. Yeah, but he wouldn't understand. No, but we could totally. There, there should be some blood. We got to figure out how to get some blood. Right, in yeah, there. they could do something. Yeah, I'm sure. His wife would be theatrical really <laughs> wedding. Like you could haunt the wedding as Caesar. That's what I'm thinking. Like at the wedding dinner, somebody comes in with just like a bloody knife, like a lady yep. Macbeth, and she just like oh, yeah. walks across the wedding 
venue with a bloody knife and doesn't have to say anything. She just has to oh, watch. She like, has her to go like out, 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 blood out, whatever spots on her hands. Spot, yeah, yeah. I think I'd remember. She out, out, damn spot. Yes. Beverly. Well, now you're go- now you're going into Macbeth. I probably don't want to bring up Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> I'd stick with the Julius Caesar in the Ides of March and. Maybe yeah, uh, so much better. Maybe your maybe your dad will be the ghost of Julius Caesar. <laughs> haunt oh. the haunt. No, but I bet the we can get father some of the groom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Twin new plans. It's what we're new doing plan. after this podcast. Planning okay. how to haunt our brother's wedding. Great. <laughs> I'll go read Julius Caesar so I'm up to date on what's going on. <laughs> I gotta remember these lines. Ooh, okay. That's a read. That's a read, all right. Yeah, okay, audio book. We'll listen to it. <laughs> yeah, listen to it on Audible. Much better. That's exactly, exactly what I do. Got okay, it. Gals. We're definitely Thank leaving you this so time. Much, Beth. <laughs> You're welcome. It was so nice to chat with you both. And, and I will thank be you to your you husband soon. for whatever he's doing. And your dog for not really barking. Awesome. Yeah, I'm warm out at the dog park, so he's exhausted. <laughs> fun times okay i will see you soon and twin will have to fly you out for the next show sounds good to me sounds good okay you guys thanks have a great one thanks Thanks. Bye. Bye. bye bye thank you for listening to today's podcast for more visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on itunes or google play music you can also interact with us on facebook or instagram at twinstocktheater Auto music, Dance Macop, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.